to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God is calling the person in sin to come out of sin, and it says, let him return to the Lord. And then it says this, and it says, and he will abundantly pardon. You see, sometimes a person thinks that they've gone so far that there's no possibility of not just restoration, but there certainly could be no possibility of blessing in my future because, you know, look what I've done. But God will abundantly pardon. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Genesis. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Genesis chapters 29 through 31 in a message titled, Jacob, Laban, and the Consequences of Deceit. Now here's Pastor Brian. You know, this is the thing she's been crying out for. This is the thing she's been wanting so desperately. She finally has a son, and she names him, I want another one. Talk about, you know, insatiable. I mean, she just cannot be satisfied. But here's where we are introduced to Joseph. He comes now into the picture. And it came to pass, when Rachel had born Joseph, that Jacob said to Laban, Send me away that I may go to my own place, to my country. So again, we've got a long period of time, obviously, all these children being born. And again, just a few verses really covering several years. But now Jacob, having served Laban all of these years, he wants to go back now. He wants to go back to his family and he wants to establish himself no longer as Laban's servant, but he wants to get out on his own. And so he says, give me my wives and my children for whom I have served you and let me go for you know my service, which I have done for you. And Laban said to him, please stay if I have found favor in your eyes, for I have learned by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Then he said, name your wages and I will give it. So Jacob said to him, You know how I have served you and how your livestock has been with me. For what you had before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. The Lord has blessed you since my coming, and now when shall I also provide for my own house? So Jacob's just, you know, making that point. Look, you're blessed, but what about me? I've got nothing. So he said, what shall I give you? And Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flocks. Let me pass through all your flocks today. So this is the deal that Jacob is making with with Laban. Let me pass through all your flocks today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted and all the brown ones among the lambs and the spotted and speckled among the goats, and these shall be my wages. Now, these were considered the inferior amongst the the sheep and the goats, these speckled and spotted, they were considered inferior. So Jacob is saying, you know, give me all the, the secondhand sheep, basically. So my righteousness will answer for me in time to come when the subject of my wages comes before you, everyone that is not speckled and spotted among the goats and brown among the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, oh, that it were according to your word. So Laban thinks, well, this is a great deal. Okay. I'm in. 
So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted, all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, every one that had white in it, and all the brown ones among the lambs, and he gave them into the hand of his son. And then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flocks. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar and of almond and of chestnut trees, peeled white stripes in them, and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters, in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. Now, this whole practice that Jacob uh, developed here, nobody knows why he did this or what the significance of it was. Even today in animal husbandry and, you know, in, in that area, nobody can make any sense of, of why Jacob did this. So he either did this because he knew something that people today don't even know. Some think it was maybe just superstitious. We don't really know, but what we do know is that the desired result that the, the flocks would produce, the spotted, the speckled, the, the streaked sheep and goats, that's, what's hap- that's what happened. But as we read further in the story, it becomes pretty obvious that it was actually God who did this. It wasn't Jacob's whatever it was that he did here. It, that wasn't really the, the secret to this um, blessing upon the flock. The Lord would make it clear later that he was the one who was blessing Jacob because of Laban's mistreatment of him over the years. And so as we read on through just the last few verses of the chapter, it pretty much just tells us that Jacob he ended up with the better end of the deal because all of the the sheep were producing after the kind that he had uh, described would be his. And so Laban, who thought he was going to come out ahead in this, Laban is actually on the losing end of the stick here. So I think we just go through 31 rather quickly because it just kind of ties the whole story together. So now Jacob heard the words of Laban's son saying, Jacob has taken away all that was our father's. And from what was our father's, he has acquired all this wealth. And Jacob saw the countenance of Laban and indeed it was not favorable toward him as before. So now there's jealousy, there's hostility that's beginning to develop. So verse three, then the Lord said to Jacob, return to the land of your fathers and to your family and I will be with you. So Jacob sent and called Rachel and Leah to the field to his flock and he said to them, I see your father's countenance that it is not favorable toward me as before, but the God of my father has been with me. And you know that with all my might, I have served your father. Yet your father has deceived me and changed my wages 10 times, but God did not allow him to hurt me. If he said thus, the speckled shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore speckled. And if he said thus, the streak shall be your wages, then all the flocks bore streak. So God has taken away the livestock of your father and he has given them to me. 
And it happened at that time when the flocks conceived that I lifted my eyes and saw in a dream and behold, the rams which leaped upon the flocks were streaked, speckled and gray spotted. Then the angel of God spoke to me in a dream saying, Jacob, and he said, I am here. And he said, lift your eyes now and see all the rams which leap on the flocks are streaked, speckled, gray spotted, for I have seen all that Laban is doing to you. I am the God of Bethel where you anointed the pillar and where you made a vow to me. Now arise, get out of this land and return to the land of your family. So you see here, God, this was, this was God overruling and blessing Jacob because Jacob had been righteous and Laban was taking advantage of him. So Rachel and Leah answered and said to him, is there still any portion or inheritance for us in our father's house? Are we not considered strangers by him? For he has sold us and also completely consumed our money. For all these riches which God had taken from our father are really ours and our children's. Now then, whatever God has said to you, do it. And so Jacob arose, set his sons and his wives on camels, and he carried away all his livestock and all his possessions, which he had gained, his acquired livestock, which he had gained in Paddan Aram, to go to his father Isaac in the land of Canaan. Now, six more years have passed. So we're, we'll see here in a moment. We're, we've come up to 20 years, basically. It's interesting, too, as you're reading that, it seems that Rachel and Leah, at least at this point, maybe there's been some reconciliation. They, they seem to be speaking with one voice here. So perhaps there was some harmony after that time. But Laban, he had gone to shear the sheep and Rachel has stolen the household idols that were her father's. And Jacob stole away unknown to Laban the Syrian in that he did not tell him that he intended to flee. So he fled with all that he had. He arose and crossed the river and headed toward the mountains of Gilead. So as you can see, Jacob takes his family and without notifying Laban, he heads back toward Canaan. And Laban was told on the third day that Jacob had fled. Then he took his brethren with him and pursued him for seven days journey and overtook him in the mountains of Gilead. But God had come to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night. And he said to him, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. So Laban overtook Jacob. Now Jacob had pitched his tent in the mountains and Laban with his brethren pitched his tent in the mountains of Gilead. And Laban said to Jacob, what have you done that you have stolen away unknown to me and carried away my daughters like captives taken with a sword? Why did you flee away secretly and steal away from me and not tell me? For I might have sent you away with joy and songs, with timbrel and harp. And you did not allow me to kiss my sons and my daughters. Now you have done foolishly in so doing. So we've obviously got a big family feud here. It is in my power, Laban says, to do you harm. But the God of your father spoke to me last night saying, be careful that you speak to Jacob, neither good nor bad. And now you have surely gone because you greatly long for your father's house. But why did you steal my gods? <laughs> why did you steal my gods? That's the big question. Then Jacob answered and said to Laban, because I was afraid, because I was afraid, I said, perhaps you would take your daughters from me by force with whomever you find your gods, do not let him live in the presence of our brethren. Identify what I have that is yours. 
take it with you, for Jacob did not know that Rachel had stolen them. So we see now with Laban, Laban is not a believer in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's an idolater. And God only knows why Rachel would have taken these gods. But, you know, evidently, as we're looking at these people here, in, in many cases, their faith is very, very immature, to say the least. And in Laban's case, there really doesn't seem to be any genuine faith. And with Rachel, she's taken the household gods. So Jacob's unaware of it. And Laban went into Jacob's tent, into Leah's tent, and into the two maids' tents, but he did not find them. Then he went out of Leah's tent and entered Rachel's tent. Now Rachel had taken the household idols, put them in the camel's saddle, and sat on them. And Laban searched all about the tent, but he did not find them. And she said to her father, Let it not displease my Lord that I cannot rise before you, for the manner of women is with me. And he searched, but he did not find the household idols. Then Jacob was angry and rebuked Laban. And Jacob answered and said to Laban, What is my trespass? What is my sin that you have so hotly pursued me? Although you have searched all my things, what part of your household things have you found? See it here before my brethren, your brethren, that they may judge between us both. Now he says, these 20 years I have been with you. Your ewes, your female goats have not miscarried their young. I have not eaten of the rams of your flock. That which was torn by beast I did not bring to you. I bore the loss of it. You required it from my hand, whether stolen by day or stolen by night. There I was in the day the drought consumed me and the frost by night and my sleep departed from my eyes. Thus I have been in your house 20 years. I have served you 14 years for your two daughters and six years for your flock. And you have changed my wages 10 times. Unless the God of my father, the God of Abraham, and the fear of Isaac had been with me, surely now you would have sent me away empty-handed. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked you last night. Laban was, he wasn't a good man. And as we can see here, he constantly manipulated Jacob's situation changed his wages 10 times. But the Lord was with Jacob in all of this. And, and again, going back to the sowing and reaping, you know, Jacob is, is reaping what he's sown, but there's also something instructive. There's something that's happening in Jacob throughout this, this time, this difficult time. God is forming in Jacob a, a more godly character. And he is uh, teaching Jacob more of a dependency on himself. And, you know, the Bible tells us not to despise the chastening of the Lord. And, and of course, when, you know, when we do sow to the flesh and we reap, that is a, a form of chastisement. But God's chastening always has the objective of bringing us into a better situation. It has the objective of bringing us into a closer relationship with the Lord. So again, the scripture says, do not despise the chastening of the Lord. For whom the Lord loves, he rebukes and he chastens everyone. 
every child that he receives. And so here with Jacob, yes, on the one hand, he's, he's reaping what he's sown, but God is still there. God is watching over him. God is not allowing Laban to take full advantage of him as he would have desired to do. And as Jacob here acknowledges, the God of his father had, had still been with him through this whole process. And when we blow it, when we make mistakes, when we sow to the flesh, when we do those kinds of things that get us into trouble, God is still with us if we turn to him and if we seek him and if we genuinely come back and repent and say, Lord, you know, I was wrong. And even though we might go through a, a difficult season as a result of that, God will still be with us and he will work through those things to bring us out on the other side. You know, I, I have met many people who have, as I said earlier, they have a lot of self-inflicted wounds. And one of the worst things about a self-inflicted kind of a wound spiritually is you always have in your mind the, the question of whether or not God is going to be merciful to you because after all, you're in the condition that you're in because you sinned. As a matter of fact, I just received an email from a person a couple days ago asking that very question. And they were talking about the, the things that have happened in their life due to their own foolishness and wondering, can God redeem even that? Or am I sort of destined to just have to live with this the rest of my life but, you know, I don't think so. I think that God, in, in his mercy, will restore us beautifully. And again, it doesn't mean that we won't have some consequences that we might have to live with the rest of our life. But it's still, the door is still open for us to come back in and to have fellowship and to have experience the blessing. Not just the forgiveness, but even to experience future blessing. So if you have done something foolishly, if you have sown to the flesh, if you are in that place of, of reaping, know this, that God is still with you and he's gracious and he's merciful. And as you turn to him, you know, I think of the people of Israel after they you know, in the time of Samuel, they wanted a king. They chose Saul. They did all of these things that were just completely contrary to what God wanted them to do. And they know that they're wrong and they, they feel like they deserve to be judged. And they come to Samuel and they say, you know, we've done all of this. What do we do now? And Samuel says, you've done wickedly, but turn back to the Lord and seek him. And he will bless you if you will, if you will follow on from here. And that's that great word from Isaiah 55, that word that calls out to those that have really sinned, that word that says, seek the Lord while he may be found, call upon him while he is near, let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to the Lord. God is calling the backslider back. God is calling the person in sin to come out of sin. And it says, let him return to the Lord. And then it says this, and it says, and he will abundantly pardon. You see, sometimes a person 
thinks that they've gone so far that there's no possibility of, of not just restoration, but there certainly could be no possibility of blessing in my future because, you know, look what I've done. But God will abundantly pardon. If we genuinely repent, if we genuinely turn back to him, he will bless us beyond, of course, what anything we deserve. We can count on that. We have that promise in his word. And here Jacob is acknowledging, you know, God, is, God has been with me and he's the one that's protected me. So Laban answered and he said to Jacob, these daughters are my daughters. These children are my children. This flock is my flock. All that you see is mine. But what can I do this day to these daughters and, or to their children whom they have borne? Now, therefore, come and let us make a covenant, you and I, and let it be a witness between you and me. So Jacob took a stone and set it up as a pillar. Then Jacob said to his brethren, gather stones. And they took stones and made a heap. And they ate there on the heap. And Laban called it Jagar... Sahadutha, but Jacob called it Galid, and both of these things mean simply the witness of the heap. So this heap is witness between you and me this day, therefore its name was called Galid, also Mizpah, because he said, may the Lord watch between you and me when we are absent one from another. Now, you may be seeing those little Mizpah things where, you know, a person will wear one side around their neck and the other, and may the Lord watch between you and me, and that's a nice sentimental thing, but that's really not what these two had in mind. (laughs) What they were saying is, I don't trust you for a minute. I'm only going to trust God to keep you from the evil that I know you're prone to do. So, if you take other wives, Laban is speaking, beside my daughters, although no man is with us, to see God is witness between you and me. Then Laban said to Jacob, here is this heap and here is this pillar which I have placed between you and me. This heap is a witness and this pillar is a witness that I will not pass beyond this heap to you and you will not pass beyond this heap and this pillar to me for harm. The God of Abraham, now listen to this, this is Laban. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor and the God of their fathers judge between us. Now, The God of their fathers, and here's where we see where Laban was at. Laban didn't really know the true God. He didn't have that kind of relationship because we know from other passages of Scripture that Abraham's father, Terah, was an idolater and that they all served idols on the other side of the Euphrates. And that's why God called him out of there. But here, Laban, you know, he just, he's kind of got the politically correct perspective here. The God of Abraham, the God of Nahor, the God of their fathers judge between us. And Jacob, listen to Jacob though, Jacob swore by the fear of his father Isaac. So Jacob's swearing by the Lord. Laban, he's got kind of his own version of God that he's made up here. And so Jacob offered a sacrifice on the mountain and called his brethren to eat bread. And they ate bread and stayed all night on the mountain. And early in the morning, Laban rose, kissed his sons and daughters, and blessed them. Then Laban departed and returned to his place.
December, Back to Basics Radio is offering a book titled, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Stalls. Do you fight an internal hidden battle all alone? Or do you hear the quiet shaming of your own inner thoughts over past actions and regrets? If you answered yes to these questions, then you are not alone at all. In his book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, Scott Sauls shares about God's counter voice against the nagging voice of silent inner shaming. You'll also discover the secret of contentment, even in the face of guilt and regret, because God wants you to notice that He notices you. Your regrets, hurts, and fears don't have to define who you are, because in the hands of God, they are being repurposed as instruments that are shaping you into who He has destined you to become. The book, Beautiful People Don't Just Happen, How God Redeems Regret, Hurt, and Fear in the Making of Better Humans by Scott Sauls is our gift to say thank you for your donation to Back to Basics. So we encourage you to call us right now at 1-800-733-6443 or visit us online at backtobasicsradio.com. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue next time with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Genesis. Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.